are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you will, please, to the New Testament, Acts chapter 2, and... We had a wonderful time this past summer, and God has been so good to us during the entire summer. Finances, attendance, in just every area, God has been blessed and wonderful, and we thank Him for it. Uh, During the summer, we spoke to you on Bible doctrines, and we want to use the next two or three weeks uh, to finish out one of the major doctrines in the Bible— And that is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Because I feel that it is the most misused and misunderstood and the most misrepresented doctrine in the Bible. And yet it is the most vital doctrine to the believer and to the unbeliever. The unbeliever can't be saved apart from the Holy Spirit. You can't get saved apart from the work that the Spirit of God does in your life. The Christian can't hope to please God apart from the work that the Holy Spirit does in his life. So the Holy Spirit is of necessity in our lives. We must know about the Holy Spirit. We must know what he can do for us. We must depend upon what he alone can do for us. Everything we do is in vain if we seek to do it just in the flesh. But if we seek to please God, then we're going to have to know about the Holy Spirit. And so as Baptists, we should definitely know about the Holy Spirit. Now, the first message that we just shared briefly with you, and we're trying to go through these few messages on the Holy Spirit because there's so much time that could be spent that we do not want to take the time to do that. But we do want to take Uh, the message that we call backbone messages, grounding, foundational messages, upon which, without any doubt, you know uh, how to build on that foundation. So, in the first message on the Holy Spirit, we found that he was first mentioned in the book of Genesis. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God. The word God is a Hebrew word Elohim, which means three or more. It's a pronoun which means three or more, and we know that you'll find those three. And I was telling a man with whom I had lunch today, one of our men, a businessman, we were talking about the Holy Spirit. And I said the wonderful and thrilling part of the Bible is that the Bible is accurate in uh, any way you want to approach the Bible. Scientifically, uh, historically, prophetically, and even grammatically, the Bible is correct. And you'll find that the Holy Spirit is mentioned just in the word God in Genesis 1-1, because it is three or more. And you'll find immediately in that first chapter, it says, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and the face of the deep. Now, the Holy Spirit as a person, we said, has has been uh, rejected simply because 
like here in Acts chapter 2 and in verse 3, if you will please just look at this one verse. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. Not literal fire, but like as fire. And it was producing something in those believers that uh, fire would produce, stirring and moving. And that's the work of the blessed Holy Spirit. Now, because the Bible says in verse 2, And there, uh, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them clothed cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Now, simply because he uh, is ascribed to in the Bible as fire, because like in John chapter 3, he is described as wind. In First uh, John and Corinthians, he is described as oil. And there are many different descriptions of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, but that does not take away from his personality, that he is a person. Thank God Jesus is the rose of Sharon. Amen. Thank God he's the bread which came down from heaven. Amen. Thank God he is the water of life. Amen. But he's still the son of God. That does not lessen the personality of the Lord Jesus Christ simply because names may be associated to him that bespeaks of the characteristic or the working of that individual. So we want to move right on from the person of the Holy Spirit and look at the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've taken uh, just a few things before we get into that in looking at the person of the Holy Spirit and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. We find it at Revelation chapter 2. Take your Bibles and turn with me quickly now in these passages. Revelation 2 and in verse 7. The Holy Spirit is a person for many reasons in the Bible, but He is a person because He does personal acts. He does personal things. Things that could not be attributed except to a person. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. The Spirit saith. The wind may blow the leaves, but it does not talk. The Holy Spirit is not an it, it is a person. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith, and what he saith unto the churches. This is a book of the Spirit. Holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. As they were moved by the person of the Godhead whose title and name is Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. They are synonymous. They are one in the same. And so he does personal acts, the Bible says. He is not just an influence or an it. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17. Would you quickly turn there with me? To Matthew, chapter 17. And notice in verse 5. While he yet speak, spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my 
Son, beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. And so we see here that God in the person of the Holy Spirit is doing the speaking. Now, uh, he also does many things that attribute to personal acts. And I'm not going to take time tonight to deal at length with them. You keep that thought in mind. He does personal things. He says personal things. Now, the Holy Spirit is a person not only because he acts individually apart from the Godhead and with the Godhead, but he is a person because he can be received personal injuries. You can't injure the wind. You can't do injustice or injury to an influence. But you can injure a person. And the Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can be insulted. The Holy Spirit can be lied to. The Holy Spirit can be vexed. He is an individual. He is a person that lives within us who has come to abide and live in this tabernacle. He is an individual. He is a person, a part of the Godhead which can be lied on and insulted and grieved and vexed just like God and Jesus Christ can be lied on and vexed. Now I'm going to show you that in the Bible. First of all, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 30 and in verse 31. The Holy Spirit is a person because you can grieve Him. Look at it. For we are... Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and uh, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now here is a commandment that God has given to us. Now look at verse 30, if you will, and you'll see why. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit seals us, but He comes to abide in us. He is a person, a person that can be grieved. You can grieve the Spirit of God. We think very little about grieving the Spirit of God. There's little concern and interest about our grieving the Spirit of God. And let, ladies and gentlemen, we can bring grief to the blessed Spirit of God, to the Spirit which is God. You'll find in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is addressed as God because He is God in the personality of the Holy Spirit. And you can grieve Him. He is a person that receives grief and injuries. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Why? He says in verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath 
and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you and all the malice with it and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And you could read right on in to verse five, chapter 5. There are no chapter distinctions in the letter to the Ephesians, and so let us read as if there we didn't start the next chapter. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself uh, as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savour. But, but fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become of saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient but rather giving thanks and, and only goes because all of these things grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieve the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God many times seeks to act and seeks to work in the lives of believers and in the lives of unsaved but many times he is hindered and he is grieved. How is he grieved? He is grieved by all of these ways here. One in particular. I was thinking today and on, on the, uh, in the preparation of these, this particular message. And I got to thinking how God is blessing our church. How things are just moving for God. God opening up doors on every hand and and the money to do the job. And God seems to have the doors wide open. Amen. And I got to thinking. I said now. What is the thing that I dread the most? What is the thing that, that would hurt our church. More than any other one single thing. What is the thing that could cripple this church. And it's movement. Quicker and faster. And with a more destructive blow than any other one single thing. Would it be that some of our folks would get off into fornication and adultery? I said, no, not that. Would it be, would it be rather that we are, are failed to give thanks unto God? I said, no, that wouldn't. And after reading all of these things and all of the ways of which God's Spirit could be grieved, and the very moment, beloved, that the Spirit of God is grieved, you just mark it down, look out, things are going to quit happening. Things are going to begin to slow up. Huh? When you grieve God's Spirit that's working in our midst, you watch out when you grieve His blessed Spirit. I'm telling you, brother, you don't get much fruit. Because He's the one that produces the fruit. Amen? We must have Him. You and I cannot presume to attempt anything and to believe God will do anything for us apart from the blessed work of the Holy Spirit of God. I said, what is the thing I dread more than any other one thing? 
What is the thing that I fear more than any other one thing in our church? Is it that man who will get mad and withhold his tithe? Is it that fellow who will get disgruntled and leave the church? What is it? You know what it is? You know the thing that I have a holy fear of more than any other one thing? A tongue. A tongue. Evil speaking. A gossiping, slandering tongue. And I'll guarantee you, brother, that a tongue will tear up Tear down and ruin, stop, grieve the work of God more than any other one single thing I knew of. And I said, could I be right in my thinking? Am I, am I right in what I, what I think? So I turned to James and my mind began to race through the Bible. Turn to James with me, chapter one. James chapter one. James chapter 3 it is, I'm sorry. James chapter 3. And I read this and I find it to be so. Verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. In other words, if we would be masters over everything and a lot of things, then we're going to have to account for more and Possibility of receiving greater damnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and is able to bridle the whole body. If any man offend not in word, not his action, his word. If he is, he's able then to bridle the whole body. God said if he can can keep his tongue under control, then he's apt to keep his whole body under control. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us. We turn about their whole body. In other words, with a little old bit in a horse's mouth, you can turn that great steed around. Behold also the ships, though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. That is the way it turns. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. That's not among our church members. That's among these members. The hands, the eyes, and the ears. These members. That it defileth the whole body. I've seen a good man ruin his whole work for God with his unruly tongue. Come on, say amen. It's so. You agree with me? And setteth on fire the course of nature 
and will stir up and is set on fire of hell. And that same hell here is not the hell used in Luke 16. That's not the, that's the, not the conscious place of suffering. That's not, that's not Hades. This word hell here is Gehenna hell. In other words, the Holy Spirit said an unruly and unbridled gossiping, nagging, criticizing tongue does as much as hell does. The thing I fear more in this church, the thing that stir up and tear up this church or any church quicker than anything else, is a bunch of unruly people who can't bridle their tongues. A bit of love is the only bit that will bridle the tongue. He is a wise man who knows what not to say. Say amen. You can tear up more character. You can bring more tears to people. You can hurt more people's feelings. You can tear more, you can tear more of the work of God apart and tear more of the work of God down. You've hurt the cause of Christ and the salvation of souls and anything else you want to name to. Anything you want to tear up, you can tear it up with a tongue. You say, preacher, you're talking to us like we're all a bunch of gossipers. No, but I don't want you to get into it. And if you are into it, say, oh me, and get out. Learn what to do with your tongue. That's the first place you ought to start. He said there, and grieve not the Holy Spirit by evil speaking. We have no rights to criticize people right or wrong. We're commanded in the Bible to pray for them. Tear up Sunday school classes, hurt people's feelings. I guarantee you right now, you can go to the people who don't come to this church or don't go to some other church, and 99% of them will tell you the reason they're out is because of talking and gossiping what somebody said and what's going on, and, and half of it isn't so in it. I dread it. I have a holy fear of it. I don't think the liquor crowd can shut us down. I don't think God had let them do it. I don't believe there's a giant walking in Georgia that can come into this church and shut it down or stop the blessing of God upon it. But it can be stopped by a bunch of unruly, gossiping, tongue-wagging church members. we got to watch our tongues. Watch our tongues. And don't be afraid to say to your best friend, if he wants to wag his tongue, say, listen, you need to get a bridle on that thing. You need to get a bridle on it. 
Yeah, but have you heard about sister so-and-so? You say, well, I don't need to hear about sister so-and-so. God's already heard it and saw it, and that's all that counts, and it's none of my business, it's God's business. Yeah, but you don't know what brother so-and-so did or is about to do. God knows what he did, and God knows what he's about to, and his, that's God's business, not my business. Amen? Come on, say amen. Notice with me in the book of Job, if you will, please. I'm talking about grieving the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about grieving God's Spirit. Amen? Job chapter 6. Now, I told you I hadn't preached here in three sermons. Job 6, verse 24. Teach me and I will hold my tongue and cause me to understand when I have erred. Oh, the next statement. How forcible are right words. Right words. You know, and I don't know anybody who isn't seemingly gifted with gab and tongue wagging. Some of them I know has got a big enough tongue to pull a two-ton wagon. Teenagers gossip, wag their tongues. Teenagers, I'm not talking just about adults, I'm talking about kids too. I'm talking about adults too. Now you visitors are here, I'm just, you know, we're staying enlightened. We don't gossip here, we're just trying to stay out of it. You understand that. I just don't want them to get into it. See, Amen. All right. Turn with me, if you will, please, to Psalm 34. Verse 13. Keep my tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Get a hold of your tongue. Do something with it. Put it on the altar. I think our altar is long enough to take care of most any of them. You're welcome. Turn to Proverbs, if you will, 15. Verse 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. Don't talk when you need to be quiet. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright. But the mouth of fools pour out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Behold, beholding the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is as a tree of life. But perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. A breach in the spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit 
whereby ye are sealed unto the dead redemption. Now let me say, when you grieve the Holy Spirit by gossiping, you're grieving first of all the spirit that is within you and you're hurting yourself first before you hurt anybody else. Grieve not the spirit whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. I really don't know of a gossiping, slandering, tongue-wagging person who's a happy Christian. They always got to wag about something. Got to wag about this and wag about that and nag about that and nag about that. Always got to find something wrong with something. I don't know what they're going to do when they get to heaven. Maybe the streets won't be, even though they're gold, maybe they won't be quite wide enough. Maybe they won't be straight enough. Maybe the river won't be running in the right place and maybe the tree of life won't be on the side of the river they thought it ought to be on. Some folks always want to find fault with something. Huh? You want to find fault with something, go look at yourself. And you'll have plenty to handle. Proverbs, if you will, please. 21, verse 23. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. If you want troubles for yourself, just start wagging. The Holy Spirit of God, ladies and gentlemen, can be grieved he is a person. And the thing that the Bible says, the thing that is the worst in man, he said, look not upon that which is sinful. Yes, that's bad. Don't listen to that which is bad. That's right. Don't touch. Don't handle. But the hardest thing to keep under control, more than your eyes, more than your ears, more than your hands, more than your feet that will go in the wrong way, is your tongue that's always going to be saying the wrong thing. Amen. Come on, you just say amen a lot because I think there are a lot of tongue waggers out there. And I know you're sweet. I know you don't ever gossip. I know you ever don't talk about other folks. You always say, bless the Lord. Aren't they sweet? Amen. That's good. You're welcome. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. The Holy Spirit can be insulted. Not only can he be grieved, but the Holy Spirit can be insulted. Hebrews 10, verse 29. Oh, how much more sore punishment. Suppose ye shall be, he, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite under the grace of God. In other words, he has insulted the work of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. He has done despite under the Spirit of grace. When a man says, I don't need Calvary, I don't need to be saved and the Spirit of God is dealing with him and he said, Calvary doesn't mean anything. I don't need Calvary. He has insulted what God did 
by sending his only begotten son to die on Calvary's cross. Chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, would you turn there? The Holy Spirit is a person because he can be lied to. You don't lie to an influence, but you can lie to the Holy Spirit because he is God, because he is a person. Acts chapter 5, verse 3. First two verses speak of Ananias and Sapphira, who had sold their possessions like the others were doing. While the others were bringing their possessions, they thought also to come and to give a worthy portion and let them think that they had given all. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. To lie to the Holy Ghost. Now when you come and you bring your offering, and you make a hundred dollars and you put nine dollars in and you let folks give the impression that that's your tie, you've lied about it. But you've lied to God. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. See, Peter was given the unusual anointing of perception. I don't have it. He did. Maybe for the purpose of showing those people how grievous a sin it is and how insulting it is to lie to the Spirit of God. Peter was given perception and Peter said, Why have you lied to the Holy Ghost? The Bible says a certain man in an eye since the fire sold the possessions, kept back part of the price, his wife also being privately or knowledgeable of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Peter didn't check the sales slip. He didn't... Uh, figured up to see if he'd given the right proportion. He simply said, because he had been given the anointing of perception, you've lied to God. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. And in those days, for lying to the Holy Spirit, especially in this case, he said, you've lied and you kept back part of it for yourself. There's a lot of Christians do that today. They give God a part and they keep back part from themselves, the part that belongs to God. And in those days, I'd hate to belong to that church and maybe we get a church like this going one of these days. In that particular church, when you didn't bring the right thing, you just got killed at the altar for it. Boy, pretty tough, ain't it? The guy had to refigure his tithe every Sunday to be sure he's getting the right amount in to be sure he puts a little extra in. He looks at that envelope twice before he drops it in that place because the very moment he turns it loose, if he didn't write, that's it. He's gone. It's all over with. That's right. The Bible says it. He comes strutting in there and gave that offering. Peter said, you liar, you. Boy, you think I was a straight preacher. How would you like that? Huh? How would you like for God to give some preacher the perception of knowing when you're Lying and when you're not lying about it. And just from the pulpit, say, all right, brother, you lied. You put that, I saw the plate go by you over here, and I, I know how much you put in. You lied about it. You made more than that. Well, that'd be terrible, wouldn't it? 
<laughs> be awful, wouldn't it? Well, what happened to him? The Bible said they carted him out. And here come his wife, pressing him. And he said, you've lied too. Lord, they carried her out. The Holy Spirit is a person, ladies and gentlemen. It's not an influence or an it. It's an individual. It's a person. He is on the same level with God. He is God the Holy Spirit. He is God the Son. He is God the Father. In our examination of our brother Rick Nock, and as often we do sometimes without even thinking, we ask the question, Brother Rick, would you please tell us what you think of the Holy Spirit? Brother Rick said, as many preachers do, we do it sometimes without thinking because we've heard it so much. We say he's the third person of the Trinity. And I said, just before you go any further, let me say that let's don't ever call him the third because that seems to give a little lesser degree of importance. Let's just say he's God the Holy Spirit because he is. He said, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost, lie to God. So he is a person that can be lied to. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, and I'll not take time to preach on this, but Matthew 12 and verse 31 and 32 says that he can be blasphemed. Of course, to blaspheme the Holy Spirit is the unpardonable sin. All manner of blasphemy shall be forgiven, men, except the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. I tell you what, he is so real that an unsaved man may blaspheme him and go to hell for it. That's how real the Holy Spirit is. Now, the person of the Holy Spirit. Time does not permit us tonight to deal with what we ought to deal with in the purpose of the Holy Spirit. We have to do that on next Wednesday evening. Two things. First of all, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is fundamentally, primarily, to bring men to Christ in salvation. And he does that in lifting up Christ, bringing conviction, and bringing about the final work of salvation. We'll deal with those. Secondly, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, mainly, objectively, is producing the qualities in our life for Christian service. That of teaching, that of guiding, that of fruit-bearing, and that of power. Power for daily living, power for witnessing and winning others to Jesus Christ. That's the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit. There are many, many things that he does. He has a great office work. He has a unique, a particular work in the Godhead, even as Jesus had a unique and a particular work in the Godhead. Jesus Christ's first ministry and work was, and purpose was, to die upon Calvary. His ministry now is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that work. The Holy Spirit didn't die on Calvary. Jesus did. But the Holy Spirit has a unique work in bringing conviction, giving power, willing to administer to us 
in us and through us the qualities that only He can produce to give strength, happiness, joy in our Christian life. And I'll tell you how you can ruin every bit of it. A wagging tongue. Talking when you don't need to talk. Criticizing people, criticizing things and, and whatever. Don't criticize things. Don't you know if God had known you was that smart about it, he'd have put you in there to begin with? He'd have put me there to begin with? Huh? Why, sure. We're in our place because God has us in our place. Let's do our job. Let's do it spiritually. Let's do it by love and compassion. Do it like we ought to. And let God take care of his business. Don't tear up, build up. Amen? Don't tear down, bring down the power of God. Amen? Oh, listen. We should not only sing, there's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I know that it's the spirit of the Lord. We don't sing that here too much, but that's a good one we ought to sing. But more than that, we ought to practice it. Huh? Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNBBC.com for Christian music you can trust.